Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and this weekend in Scotland, it's all about the numbers. It's eight in a row for Celtic, and it's ten in a row for Dundee. One of those is a bit better than the other. Gilly could be top three for the first time since 66. Rangers pick up their ninth red card of the campaign, and the figures look fantastic for Turnbull at Fur Park. But two managers bit the bullet in the championship, one just before kick-off. One owner who's definitely not handing out a P45 to his manager is Mike Mulraney. The Aloha Athletic chairman joins us later to discuss the Wasps' miraculous survival in the championship. Alongside me in the studio, from The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull. Hello. And you like bees more than wasps. Yes. Wasps of the animal kingdom, (laughs) they are probably the junkies. Because they don't offer anything. And from Copper 90... It's Findlay Marks. Hello. How you doing, man? Oh, very good. Thank Welcome. you. Thank you for having me on. Are you a Finn or a Findlay? Uh, I'll kind of answer to anything. I used to have a teacher. Anything? In... No. Oh. <laughs> I had a teacher in high school that um, knew my name started with F but couldn't remember, so they just called me Fraser for a whole year. So you can call me that if you want. <laughs> did, did you um, correct them or did you have to... Just... I, d- I did the first couple of times, but then I just left it after that. So. That's really good. Oh, That's wow. very funny. Let's kick off with um, pretty mental news. Although I have seen Celtic have came out and dampened the rumours, but there was a Sky Sports Italy reporter saying that Jose Mourinho had been offered the Celtic job. <laughs> I think James Horncastle kind of got it out there in the British media a bit more. Is that right? Um, yeah, but he's not been in the Totally office today. I, well, I haven't seen him. He might have been in today. I couldn't corner him. I'll get him next week, boys. Don't you worry. <laughs> yes, I don't think Mourinho needs to do that job. It's the easiest job in football. You, you're gonna, you can't not win the league with Celtic at the moment. And also Aberdeen's youth team, I can't remember what age group it was, maybe under 12s maybe, um, are over in a, fo- a football tournament in at Manchester City just now and they beat, I think it was Girona they beat, and um, Pep came over, he watched the game and he said, come on you Reds, so it just means he's fully fledged on now. So <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I look forward to his masterminded Premiership win in 2023. Yeah, Guardiola Aberdeen, Jose at Celtic, I think Gerard can fit into that category. Klopp at Kelly. Klopp at Kelly. That is perfect. I don't know. I'd quite like to see how Steve Clark would face up against Pep Guardiola and, <laughs> and Jose Mourinho. Lustig coming in! Mikael Lustig scores! And that is a statement of intent from Celtic. An intent to secure the title today! So, Celtic secured their eighth title in a row at Pitodre on Saturday lunchtime with a 3-0 win at Aberdeen. Having replaced Brendan Rodgers at the end of February, Neil Lennon said he got the job done. Will Lennon have the job next season, guys? My hunch is I don't think he will. Really? No. Um, Which sounds mad, given that he's taken Celtic to the title, potentially to the Scottish Cup, and with that would be the treble treble, and they've been unbeaten since he took over Mm. so far. But I don't know. I, I think it's an important decision for Celtic, which is probably why they're taking so much time. And I think just looking at the kind of the stats and the way that teams have played, I think if Rangers can find the level of consistency that's kind of eluded them this mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. next season, I think Celtic really need to strengthen in the summer. And I think, does Lennon have the same pooling power that potentially a bigger name like Mourinho or <laughs> Benitez or, or some sort of other kind of elite level manager has? Um, I, I don't know if he does. And I think... He worked out perfectly, I think, for the short term, just to kind of get them over the line this season. But for the next year or two years, which is really what Celtic are aiming for, nine and then ten in a row, I, I don't know if Lennon's got the ability to do that. He probably was the perfect person to come in at the time after leaving Hibs uh, under a bit of a cloud. But Finlay's right. Like, like, there's a, a bit of a rebuilding job at Celtic that has to happen in the summer. Because it looks a bit like Rangers are creeping up behind Celtic. I think were it not for that, they would just go with Lennon because it's a cheap option, it's easy, keeps the house nice and tidy. But uh, because they don't want to risk possibly not getting that dream 10 in a row, they're going to have to make sure they pick the right one. Because Lennon may well... I mean, the thing is, Lennon knows how to win the title and he's done it with Celtic before. He started this eight in a row. Yeah. yeah. And having experience winning the title means that you're more likely to win it 
again than someone who hasn't ever won it before is based on lots of sure. research and various things. And uh, I don't know who would be affordable that Celtic could take on. That would take them to another level. But talking about this game, Michael Lustig opened the, the scoring just before half-time. Could be one of his last acts at Celtic because he could be away in the summer. Is his contract but, done? Yeah, and he could looks like he could be back to his homeland. Um, but we'll wait and see. I actually felt quite bad for Aberdeen. I thought they should have been ahead in this game. Yeah, James Wilson missed about 40 open goals. He'd be, I said this on Twitter, he'd be half decent if he didn't shoot from 80 yards every time he had the ball. Or, or as a striker <laughs> puts the ball in the back of the net. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> like the, the technique on the volley, so he missed one shot where the ball came across on the left and he took it on the volley and put it into the ground. And I think you actually coach that because you want to aim it low so the keeper can't get to it, they can't react fast enough. But then that bounced over the bar, should have put it on target. And then another one he missed, came off the post. Uh, he essentially has an open goal, Bain's not going to get near it, and he hits the far post. He's trying to place it too well, Clive. That was, that was off the back of Scott McKenna, absolutely <laughs> juggernauting it up the, <laughs> up the wing. It was, oh, honestly... He can do that, McKenna. Yeah, but it, it looks so awkward when he properly decides to go, I need to do this. <laughs> It's like when you drive a lorry in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. I just loved the way, the, like when you see the replay of it at, at full speed, the way his cheeks are puffing out <laughs> continually as he's like a traction engine bombing down the wing. Um, I, 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 the thing was actually, it's not just the run to take it that that far up the pitch. The quality of the ball into the box was oh, magnificent. Yeah, I know, I know. And Cosgrove, I thought, took it well. And it was actually a really good save by Bain. But then, you know... Wilson absolutely that, yeah. smashed it wide. So. And the cliche, obviously, you've got to take your chances against Celtic, but, I mean, you you really do. And then uh, Aberdeen had absolutely no width. They Basically, their, their formation was, was a broom, and so there's nothing really you could do to get at Celtic, and they're, they're just much better. Yeah, and um, special kudos goes to James Forrest, who was voted PFA Player of the Year on Sunday night. That sounds about right, I would say. Yeah, do you uh, think that's that's the the right choice? I, I, he's definitely up there. I, I, I was surprised, actually, that McGregor didn't get it ahead of him. I, I think Callum McGregor has been... Not to say that James Forrest hasn't been very good. He's been a solid performer for Celtic. He scored some really important goals. And I think maybe it's because his kind of work, I feel, was done more in the, the opening part of the season. Mm-hmm. I think McGregor's grown into the season a bit more. He's looked so important. I, I was more surprised it wasn't between... McGregor and Morelos, although I think Morelos' indiscipline kind of cost him that probably. Yeah. But um, of the two, I, I think McGregor's probably been... But they've both been so important. You had you had a lot of big moments for Forrest. There were the four goals against St Johnston, which was just amazing to, to watch and, and see how he just took the game by the scruff of the neck. And there were also his performances with Scotland, JJ. Yeah, I think well, Forrest is probably the right player for the thing. It's his goals and assists, his numbers are probably what's won him it, to be honest. Um, I, I agree, I think McGregor is probably more integral. It'd be harder to get a replacement for, uh, rather than just having the winger. If you look at the players like Forrest, you look at the team Celtic had, and the, the injuries Aberdeen had for this game, Celtic's bench, every single one of those players would be a first pick in the Aberdeen team. The players just aren't good enough. There's, Derek McInnes has got a massive, massive job in the summer. The scouting has been pretty poor for ages there have been a few rare hits Lewis Ferguson mm. an example of one Kenny McLean was a great signing all these kind of boys but you can see like Shea Logan's lost a bit of his pace so that's that was one of his main attributes so he needs a new one of them uh, Shinny's probably going to be gone and then you've got that you need someone else in midfield you need uh, wingers there's heaps of stuff that just needs to be sorted and I don't know if they've got the budget or the scouting network in place the other thing we should talk about this game is that um, Derek McInnes wasn't on the bench because he had to sit in the stand because he was suspended for calling out um, sectarian abuse he got uh, last or well, in the semi-final and um, he was very strong in it again this time saying he got the same abuse they're singing um, Sad Orange Bastard I think is what they're singing mm-hmm. he's asked about it and said well of course I can hear it I'm surprised that no one's done anything about it they'll keep singing their songs because we don't have any we don't have the leadership in this country to deal with it it's pretty bringing the politics into it is nice Yeah, it's kind of getting childish when folk are saying well you said that and you said this just stop singing it just stop being a dick man <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I I don't think there'll be they can't really be changed unless clubs kind of take a lead and responsibility for their own fans and stop always just trying to point the finger only at the opposition It's what it makes me think of is like you know the politicians in Holyrood or Westminster they never call out 
the feelings of their own party. Mm-hmm. They, they're only ever saying, well, this is happening because of look at what the other side did. You're like, do you know, actually, people would respect you so much more if you took responsibility for your own actions and said, you know what, we're not perfect. We're going to deal with this. And I think, you know, just for once, it would be great to see Celtic or Aberdeen or Rangers or whomever come out and say, do you know what, th- yeah, th- these things are going on, people are singing all these things, but our fans are doing it too, so we're going to take the lead to stop it on our side. And at that point, if you take the moral high ground, it's embarrassing for the other clubs not to follow suit. But I just, I, the, the kind of, the peasantry of that level of Scottish football is kind of like people, I don't know, maybe it's too ingrained. I just don't think it's going to it's, happen. It's such a shame just because I think Scottish football fans are excellent. And then you just have this little side of it that we shouldn't ignore. Because if we ignore it, then it just continues. So Tony Ongdrew with the chance, with the penalty and the goal. And it may well be the goal that relegates Dundee. Dundee's five-season stay in the Premiership came to an end after a 1-0 defeat at home to Hamilton on Saturday. We're joined by Alan Patullo from the Scotsman. Alan, a sad day for Dundee fans, but this has been coming for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I guess I guess it has, but um, I was still kind of uh, surprised at just the, the abjectness of the of the relegation. Uh, um, it really has been a really, really poor effort, and I, I don't believe for a second that Dundee... Um, are that much of a poorer side to St Mirren, to Hamilton Aki's, um, to have gone down in such a manner as I think really, you know, uh, you know, ask a lot of questions of the decisions made this season and of the management team and just, uh, you know, the, the, the owners as well. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the numbers here, 10 defeats in a row, it matches yeah. Dundee's worst run ever, uh, which happened yeah. 122 yeah. years ago, 26 yeah. league defeats, this season is a club record. It's it's. There's been a lot of things that have went wrong this season. Yeah, I mean, there really has been a. It's almost been a masterpiece of of a of a of a relegation in terms of just uh, you know they, they couldn't have done it almost any worse in terms of uh, <laughs> you know you know to, to get to the business end of the season when when most teams are, are fighting for their lives um, as Hamilton Ackes have shown um, as Mirren have shown and to manage to put together a, a run of ten defeats at this stage is just it's, it's quite something and and I guess I mean Jim McIntyre accepted that to a certain extent after the game you know he he looked at his own decisions in January the players he brought in um, who, who you know who were supposed to uh, get Dundee out of this mess and really have plunged them deeper into it um, these kind of lone players etc I think there were six, six, six lone players in the starting 11 on, on Saturday which uh, you know you do wonder if these players have the fight for a, for a, for a relegation battle knowing that they're going back to their parent club uh, you know, come the end of the season, and, and clearly, well, they, they didn't have the fight. Um, so again, I think uh, questions have to be asked about that, about that decision to to just um, so, so thoroughly gut gut the squad as McIntyre did in January, um, and bring in these players who just haven't proven good enough. Do you think that was the wrong thing to do, McIntyre taking in so many new players in the winter uh, window? Yeah, I think clearly it's been it's been shown to be to have been the wrong thing. Um, um, you know, you, you look back and Neil McCann, I know Neil McCann had a few things to say um, on radio on Saturday night on Radio Scotland. Um, um, he, he was quite adamant that relegation is not on his CV. He only had eight league games at the start of the season, which I think is probably a fair enough um, point of view from uh, in terms of his his, his outlook. Um, you know, I mean, Jim McNair came after eight league games and saw what saw the players Neil McCann had assembled and almost immediately said they weren't good enough and uh, started bringing in players like Martin Woods came in in November time, he was clubless, so he could he could come in immediately. Um, the, the players McCann had brought in in summer, there were um, you know several of them were told to, to train with the youths um, as soon as McIntyre came in. Uh, players like Madianga, Engotala, uh, um, who really hadn't had a chance to bed in in Scottish football. And I do wonder what might have happened if, if these players had had if McIntyre had at least given these players a chance. Um, you know, perhaps it wouldn't quite be be so desperate as it is now. Um, but he decided. You know, which is obviously his own, um, his own outlook to to change the the, the squad. You know, do a massive overhaul of the squad, and uh, it just hasn't worked. Because uh, <laughs> I saw somewhere that somebody you know mentioned all the players that were brought in, and I think only a couple say have, have got pass marks since uh, since January of these new players. I was reading um, back some of the reports um, on Dundee uh, this season and one of them stood out when he said after his first training session that this Dundee team was actually in a better shape 
than the Ross County team was in which yeah. he took over yeah. and actually saved Ross County from from relegation. Yeah. I think that was back in 2014. Yeah. It is a a rod for his own back he made back then but where did Dundee go from from here you know are they in a good position well, to come straight back up and do a Ross County well I, I guess the, I mean, the, the big question mark hanging over the club was was what would happen to the owners the American owners would they stay or would they cut their losses and, and disappear in the summer because this wasn't what they what they came in I'm sure they didn't come in for, for second tier football again I mean they came in uh, was it four or five years ago four years ago with, with Dundee in the second tier got them out and uh, wanted Dundee to kick on you know, the plans for a new stadium etc and this was not part of their plan to be back in the in the second tier so um, I think that was the major question mark but they they, they um, released a statement mid, midweek last week to say that they were you know, reaffirming their commitment to the club, so that's a that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. So, um, so long as they are able to um, provide some finance and investment, and possibly you know get the right manager in during the summer, if, if McIntyre does leave, as I think the majority of Dundee fans would want, um, then I think there's every chance Dundee could could come back next season. But of course, there's so there's so many um, cautionary tales. Um, look at Patrick Thistle. Look at Falkirk. You know, there is the possibility that that might happen as well to to clubs we would we would view as established top tier clubs or even second tier clubs can can flirt with relegation to the third tier which would, would be unthinkable in Dundee's case but these things can happen so um, yeah a lot needs to happen over the summer and uh, I guess looking at the managerial positions is possibly the most important one and uh, yeah I'm intrigued to know what happens there uh, whether John Nelms managing director decides to stick with McIntyre or whether he, he decides to uh, you know look elsewhere yeah, Dundee had to win this game, but it never really looked like they were going to do it. They had two shots on target. They were so poor, as they have been the whole season. And these are the kind of games where they're definitely winnable for Dundee at home to another team that has, for the most part of this season, been pretty poor as well. This was the only fixture Neil McCann actually won in his eight games in charge. Yeah. So you're right. Uh, and the, But they were so toothless. There was absolutely nothing there where you thought these guys did they even want to stay up like th- th- there was there was nothing in the final third there was no quality they were all kind of shirking responsibility trying to take an easy touch and play back inside when it's like you should be going hell for leather trying to just find goals sure, you had, you had confidence to- right because you can see it I mean it's totally you're playing Scott Wright who's a right footed winger on the left so straight away you're inside forward but their fullbacks aren't overlapping so then they've got just no way to just go inside and they don't want to take a shot because it's going to be a waste and they'll get moaned out by the crowd They lost this game to a Tony Andrew penalty uh, with seven minutes to go I, I still can't believe Tony Andrew actually cost £1 million to Norwich I can't believe Tony Andrew was £1 million <laughs> a £1 million player at Hamilton Well he took a nice penalty It's quality to be honest, I think if, if it hadn't been from the penalty spot, I don't think Hamilton would have scored. <laughs> I, they just again, they just looked so toothless up front. But they did have a little bit more quality in the final third than Dundee did. But it it, it kind of summed up the game that the only thing that differentiated those two teams, who are both fairly abject, was was a penalty. Um, well, I'd love to see what Rice does in, in summer if he's got any budget whatsoever. I really, I really like Rice. I really like Rice. Not just the the manager <laughs> Brian Rice. Yes. I really like Rice. Um, he's just so positive. I think he's got something. I think he genuinely he he has such a positive mindset. There's no way a player can't buy into that and and not enjoy working under him. Well, if they Apart lose from every Emery game, who's leaving in the summer. <laughs> if they lose every game, they won't buy into it. But uh, they, he he to play the kind of football he it seems like he wants to play quite attacking and entertaining. He needs better players, and they don't have any budget. So, good luck. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. And here come Rangers once more. It's Davis for the ball. This time he strikes and Rangers are in front. It's an eighth goal of the season for Jermaine Defoe. It's five wins in a row for Rangers, inflicting a first Premiership defeat in 11 for Paul Heckingbottom. Stephen Davis and Jermaine Defoe linking up for the only goal of the game at Ibrox on Sunday. Hey, they've still got it, guys even at the combined age of 70. But the second half was a bit dull. And then up pops Florian Camberry, who should have scored, but Al McGregor proven he is the best goalkeeper in this division. I thought it was a magnificent save. And he's done that all season, both domestically and in Europe for Rangers. Mm. And I, I, I would go as far to say I think he's the reason, almost solely, that Rangers are as close in terms of points to Celtic as they are. 
because a lot of the games, I think when Fodringham was in goal, he would cost you points. Mm. McGregor wins you points. And that's a perfect example. He's been their best signing, hasn't he, under Steven Gerrard? I think so, yeah. It's a very specific set of pressures that come, as is widely talked about, when you play for either side of the old firm, the expectations of winning every game and everything. And I think somebody that's grown up in that atmosphere, McGregor knows that inside out. And I think he just kind of... He looks at home at Ibrox, maybe two at home. But as much as... (laughs) (laughs) Because. (laughs) Because, well, as much as he's a fantastic goalkeeper, he um, can have a a rush of crazy. He's mad. uh, A rush of crazy. (laughs) He's been doing this all... Like, they're doing this as well all season. I think the first one I remember was when he kicked Ayer... In the um, yeah. in, it was in a cup game, isn't it, or is it? Or it's it might, an old firm it game. might be in the, late, the first old firm game of the season. I think the way he kicked out a day. That's the first time I noticed he'd done it, and he just seems like he's got. He's so pumped up, so wired that he'd snap at any second. But he does these stupid things, and in this game, uh, McNaughty goes to block. A, well, not block. He sort of stands in front of him. It's probably quite which, annoying, which happens You're a lot. You're allowed to do it. It's absolutely insane, indefensible. You know, it just and it wasn't yeah. like there was a running spat between him and McNulty the whole nowhere. game. Yeah, it was absolutely out of nothing. Absolutely madness. Putting his studs into um into McNulty, so he, he goes to kick the ball, and as he does so, he lunges his studs out into McNulty's back. He extends his he, he kicks the ball and he extends his leg like a John Cleese walk. Yeah. Yeah. And then he falls backwards pretending he's injured. He, he grabs his ankle. That's the worst part of it, is the fact that he goes down pretending that he's been caught by McNulty. It's just, it's ridiculous. Is, is, is there a little bit... Do footballers genuinely not care that there are cameras at football? They don't know about like, it. Do, like not, no, but they do. Like There are players who, at televised football games, ask cameramen where they're going to be. They'll look around the grounds. Right. So, so when when you have um, when away teams tend to turn up at a ground, they'll kind of walk onto the pitch and have a little walk around. Managers will do the same. I don't know why, uh, just to get a feel of the place, I guess. But they'll they'll look. At, you can see it. They're looking at where the cameras are. So if they score a goal, they can run right up to it. And why wouldn't you? It's well, class. In that little flash of red, I don't think he he's aware of what planet he's on. Even so, <laughs> I don't. It's one of those heat of the moment things that he has far too many of. He's such a good goalkeeper, but he also brings all that to the to the dressing room as well. The culture—that's what you need to make sure that you meet those standards. But, but Morel's have... getting sent off every second week as well. Well, it's been a it's been a running theme for Rangers this season. Nine red cards for them, and you've got the manager Stephen Gerrard saying that this is the reason they haven't been in the hunt for more silverware. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what he was saying there, Stephen Gerrard. And when you look at the red cards this season, domestically, let's not look at the European ones, some of them have been a bit ludicrous. Like I think Candias got sent off for blowing a kiss against St Mirren. Yeah. But but then, <laughs> looking through the other nine, six of those nine have been for violent conduct. Yeah. Morelis against Aberdeen three times alone for violent conduct. Arfield against Hearts. Uh, Morelis against Celtic and then McGregor against Hibs. Uh, and... That's also not taken into account the retrospective bans for McGregor against Aberdeen and Kent against Celtic, which were both for violent conduct as well. So it's a real, real problem for Rangers and they need to stamp it out uh, it's, for, it's for like want a of a better of... expression <laughs> <laughs> in time for next season because it's, it, it's cost them silverware this season and, and it will cost them again next year. I wonder if it's like a lack of strong leadership on, on, in, on terms of discipline because when McGregor gets away with that kick on Ayer early in the season... Gerard should be absolutely laying into him, saying like, "Like you idiot! You do that, you get sent off. That's going to cost us in this game. It could cost us all these sorts of things." But I think I think this is why it's quite important that Rangers have tied down the likes of Stephen Davis, who I think is that kind of captain mentality. And if he becomes more of a regular, you know, Rangers have won seven out of nine without Morelos in the team. But I think Stephen Davis has been a kind of mainstay in that run. So I think if he becomes a regular early next season, that could be good. But we should talk about Hibs. They've been excellent under Heckenbottom. And this great run that they've been on is obviously given a lot of people a lot of promise for next season. But it had to end at some point. And JJ, you said that Hibs would finish third. But yes. now they can't even finish in the top four. Well, that's why I don't predict things, Andrew, because I'm often wrong. <laughs> they could have finished third. They play, they'll be really good next season. Uh, Hecabottom's well, legit. Well, you would hope so. They've, they've got they've got a, a, a rebuilding job as well. The likes of Omionga, who's been excellent for them, uh, coming in on loan from Genoa. McNulty, they could be going back to their parent clubs. So there are there are players, there are areas in the pitch that they will have to plug. But Edinburgh's a nice place to go and live, and. 
they are playing nice football, so you'd happily move to play for that. You know you're not going to go there and be stuck in a 5-4-1 every single week behind the ball. Mm. You get to actually play, and there's room for a team to take thirds because Aberdeen will be in transition. Kelly might not have Steve Clark if he decides to go. It's a real opportunity. Hearts are, I mean, yeah, we'll come into them later on. Another thing as well, like Ryan Gold's career isn't going very well. It seems to be good point, actually. Yeah, that's uh, when he came back to Scotland. He's still on. He's still, um, he's still on, on the, the books, books at Lisbon. Sporting Lisbon, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. It's just not working for him. Maybe I, maybe he's used to playing that like nice football now, and you just can't really play it in Scotland. I, th- I think that's genuinely the thing because I, I was watching this game and uh, technically. His his ability is phenomenal. His his base technical ability is incredible. The way that he can take the ball, look for players, get the head up and stuff like that. But just it just doesn't work in yeah, Scottish be, football because he was a revelation coming in as a sixteen year old at Dundee United, and it's just never materialised. But everyone praised um, the the move abroad um, to try and develop his 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 technical ability. I, I think it could be that the league doesn't suit his style of play. I think that happens. I mean, you get certain players that I think Iniesta would have struggled. To do well in Scottish football if he'd been born here. Mm-hmm. So I would have loved to have seen that put to the test though. Any <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it on a cold Tuesday night away in Dundee. That we'll never know. We had, him in the back. <laughs> <laughs> it was the final day of the regular season in the SPFL. So here's Neil White with what's going on in the Championship, League One and Two. Let's start with the news from the Championship, where Falkirk beat champions Ross County, but could not evade relegation to the third tier for the first time since 1980. 39 years ago, the worst team in Scotland were Alloa Athletic, and it was their 1-1 draw at Air United that relegated Falkirk this time. And as Alloa hung on in the final minutes at Somerset Park, they knew they were playing for championship safety as 60 miles down the road in Dumfries, Partick Thistle were 3-0 up against Queen of the South. Alloa did close out their 1-1 draw. They survived 36 games as the only part-time team in the division. Falkirk's 3-2 come-from-behind win against Ross County really was too little too late. It was followed by fan protests at the Falkirk Stadium. A big crowd in the South Stand called for the resignation of Margaret Lang and Craig Campbell, the chairman and chief executive. A fan-funded buyout offer is currently on the table. Queen of the South were mid-season promotion contenders, but their postseason now starts with two legs against Montrose to keep their status in the second tier. And they will do so without manager Gary Naismith. He was sacked shortly after defeat by Thistle and 72 hours before kickoff of the first leg at Lynx Park. You have to hope they have a plan. Perhaps the players will pick the team. That worked for Thistle, who saved their skin after the coaching staff sent out a WhatsApp message asking the players to bring in their own team selection at the start of the biggest week of their season. I'm not sure if that's a management masterstroke by their manager, Gary Caldwell, or evidence that all football clubs should in fact be run as socialist collectives with a flat power structure and even distribution of revenue. Team selection was also behind the weekend's other managerial casualty, in part at least. The owners at Morton overruled their management team of Jonathan Johansson and Peter Houston, who wanted to start the midfielder Charlie Telfer. That would have triggered an extension of Telfer's contract, Johansson and Houston had already learned their own contracts were not to be renewed for next season and when their employers insisted Telfer sat out their dead rubber against Dundee United, they walked with a little over an hour left before kickoff. Morton won 1-0. Managers, who needs them? Power to the people. League One. With our both champions and Montrose immovable in fourth, the only issue at the top was who would have home advantage in the second leg of the semi-final between Wraith Rovers and Forfa. It's Forfa after they finished the season with three straight wins. East Fife were their latest victims. At the bottom, there was a straight-up survival playoff between the bottom two and Stennis Muir got a lifeline. They survived 36 minutes with 10 men to scramble a 1-1 draw at Brecon. Stenny go into the playoffs. They start against Annan. Brecon go down. League 2, Peterhead are champions, and hey, they won it at Hamden. Jack Leach scored both the goals. The midfielder finished the season with five in his last four games. And in the end, Peterhead won it by five points from Clyde. That's one more. Then Clyde were docked for fielding an ineligible player earlier in the season. Clyde had a shot at the title at the start of the day, but ran out of steam, losing 2-1 at Cowdenbeath. 
Clyde and Edinburgh City meet in the playoff semi-final and those two games will be worth checking out if you can. We already knew that Berwick would play off for their place in the SPFL and now we know they will face Highland League champions Cove Rangers. They completed a 5-1 aggregate win with a 3-0 win over East Kilbride at the Balmoral Stadium which included first half red cards on both sides and goals number 47 and 48 of the season for Cove goal machine Mitch Meganson. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, looking at the championship again, Partick Thistle finishing sixth. Scott McDonald's goals proving quite vital for Gary Caldwell, getting them out of trouble. Yeah, he's had to think outside the box this season. We know we've talked about the SES training. It's one of my favourite stories of the season. <laughs> um, I think it's lovely that Scott McDonald's come out of retirement and can still can still, he still play. He said he's, you never he's, lose it. He said he's actually uh, fitter than he's ever been. So right? he said, yeah, um, which <laughs> is good. quite incredible. And it's <laughs> funny because Partick Vessel looked down and out at one point in this season, and now they finished sixth. It's almost kind of how I'd wish Queen of the South season had went, but it's the complete opposite. Queen should have done what, uh, what Caldwell did before this game, and he got his players to put names into. They had to write down the team that they would have if they could choose. It's just a clear like. It's a motivational tactic, isn't it? Yeah. Because then the, the plan is that you get the same 11 from the whole team yeah. and then say, look, you're all with each other. You're all... And also then Caldwell knows whose players think actually are the ones they can depend on. Mm-hmm. It's quite useful. I heard people slagging off going like, oh, idiot, that's your job to pick a team. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense what he's doing, <laughs> doesn't it? Well. No? Nah. Nah. Probably shouldn't do it for this podcast. We'd want to have one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pretty bad news for Queen of the South. Obviously, they finished in the playoff. Oh, Queens. Uh, relegation. Why? Battle. So they've sacked manager Gary Naismith and in comes former manager Alan Johnston, which I think is a fairly popular appointment uh, for the Doonhamers because he brought them up from. Uh, League One into the Championship and he also won the Challenge Cup for them as well So it's and he brings back his number two Sandy Clark as well so their main job is to win against Montrose and stay in the Championship but it's a, is just, it a sensible time to be letting the manager go though? I, 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 I the know tur- the turnaround in time between when the playoffs start is I think after winning one game in the last 11 or something like that after Queen of the South had beaten Dundee in the Scottish Cup, then just lost to Aberdeen in the uh, quarterfinal of the Scottish Cup, and then just totally tumbled down the table. There was no way back for Naismith, I think, uh, at the end of the, the season. They beat them Dunfermline a couple of weeks back, which pretty much has saved them. And yeah, it's it's a bit of a gamble, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens really. But it's pretty, pretty tough reading. Do you want a fun fact about Alan Johnson? Go on. I sold him a computer once. Did you? Yeah. I didn't realise it was Alan Johnston until I had his card to let you put it through the thing. And I'm like, ah. Wow. That's embarrassing. (laughs) This season was always going to be a big ask for Aloha. The only semi-professional club in the Championship were the favourites to go straight down back to League One. But on Saturday, the Wasps confirmed they will be in the second tier next season with a 1-1 draw at air. We're joined now by Aloha chairman Mike Mulraney. Mike, sum it up. The scale of this achievement is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, this will be our fifth season in the championship in the last seven. But staying up this time was was an incredible achievement, considering that this is the first time we've done it and we're being the only part-time team. So it was, it's massive for the club. It's fantastic to be in the championship and having achieved it against fantastic opposition, it, it makes it all the, all the better. Jim Goodwin was nominated for Manager of the Year in Scotland, which sums it up quite well. Uh, I read that you refer to him as a finished article. He's only 37. Well, I think I think uh, if you look at any manager, you I always think that one of the biggest measures is the performance in comparison to the budget that he's got to work with. You know, and great managers can do great things, and you can see that with the biggest clubs. And... Uh, they can perform to an outstanding standard. But when you can outperform your budget to such a large extent as Jim's done, that's that's a huge indicator of uh, of the calibre of what he's doing. How he does it? Well, that, that changes manager to manager. Jim's obviously an intelligent chap with, with a real determination. And that, that shines through, I think. You know, he's, he's very considered. And uh, that all 
accumulates in the fact that he performs and these teams perform. You know, they they, they get the the chaps want to play for him. So it's a it's a great set of personality traits that he's got, and that results in I believe in him being a a very very good manager, and uh, that was shown. Obviously, his colleagues thought so because they nominated him for manager of the year, which is some feat for for, for a, a young manager who's only been a couple of years in the job. So you took 10 points off Queen of the South this season. Firstly, how dare you? But secondly, um, what was the run into the final day like? What sort of pressures does a chairman face on a final day of the season when your future's up in the air? To be fair, all the, there's no real pressure on the chairman. You know, you'd think there was, and there's not. There's only the same pressure on the chairman as there is for every single fan. Every single Alawa fan, you share their pressure. But there's nothing you can do. At three o'clock on the Saturday, there's nothing you can do to influence it anymore. And you know you're just enjoying the the experience, and, and sometimes not enjoying it, but the same as every other fan of your club. So you're very conscious of the fact that at five o'clock, all your budgets are going to change if you go down, and that's that's when the pressure comes. So the pressure really comes at five o'clock if you've if you've been relegated, or alternatively if you're trying to go up and you don't. During that ninety minutes, the, you know that couple of hours, you're just enjoying the 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 spectacle in front of you, the same as every other fan that, that supports your club does. Looking for Malumbu, it's going to find Yusuf Malumbu. Cuts it back, still Malumbu. Dicker, it's cleared. Finlay. Kilmarnock returned to third spot after Stuart Finlay's late strike at Tynecastle secured a one 0 win at Hearts. Craig Levine's men have taken just one point from the last 15 available. We're joined now by Gordon Senior from the Hearts Review podcast. Gordon, there are definitely some fans out there who are not happy. Are you happy? No, de- definitely not, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't really think there's any fans that are actually happy. I mean, it's a strange atmosphere around the club at the moment. It's just so flat. Uh, it certainly doesn't feel like a club that's got a cup final on the horizon anyway, um, which is a real shame. Normally you're looking forward to these occasions with such optimism and, you know, part of you thinks, oh, we could maybe upset the apple car and we could maybe win it, but it just doesn't seem to real, really be that feeling at the moment. You know, it's a team who, I think to say have downed tools is a bit of an understatement. Uh, three home defeats in a row, when I think last season we only had something like three home defeats in the entire season. So it's really worrying to to be honest with you. They're they're just totally flat at the moment, and um, unfortunately, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. It started really well the season, and they were playing nice football. It, why is Levine? Is it because of injuries that he changed maybe the, the way they're playing, maybe a different system? It seems to have gone back to being quite dour to watch. Um, I, I don't know to be honest with you. It, it kind of feels like it's been two seasons in one. I read an interesting uh, quote from Christoph Benner the other day there where they said, you know, they, they won't take the foot off the gas. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I don't think the foot's actually been on the gas, never mind mm. taking it off the gas. Um, they've got two games left, Aberdeen away and Celtic away as well. Uh, zero points, I think. They'll be lucky if they score a goal in those two games. I think the Celtic game, they'll, they'll probably, you know, they, they'll just play a, a weak inside, as, as will we, I would imagine. But, yeah, it just, just looks like a team that's just totally given up on themselves. They don't believe in what they're doing. Uh, the fans aren't happy, and I think that's kind of... You know, so you're seeing that in the performances that they know that the fans aren't happy with what they're doing, and it's almost like they have no confidence in themselves. Um, the whole club at the moment just—it's been in a bad mood for a wee while, and we kind of thought it was maybe we were maybe on the up at the start of the season there, but like I said, it just kind of went back to normal what it's been like for the last couple of years, and it's just not good enough. You know, we've we've lost to every team in the league this season, bar St Johnston, and. Um, some of them at home, uh, the Dundee result in particular, uh, to a team that's, I think, ranked one of the worst all-time premiership clubs in terms of points totals in history. Yeah, they've still came up to Tynecastle and beat us 2-1. Uh, the <laughs> defeat at Hamilton a few weeks ago was ridiculous. Um, so there's so there's so many results. I mean, the 5-0 Livingston, it's just, it's, it's not been good enough. And, um, you know, I, I think the only way that, that it's going to change is if, there's a major sort of um, reconstruction of, of, you know, the way they want to do things. And I think that ultimately means that, that Levine would probably have to step aside. 
So, so would you be comfortable with Levine moving back into his sort of director of football sort of role? Um, no, 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 you'd, no. you'd rather have him completely go. Because the way I look at it sometimes is when a club is, is in this sort of fluctuating form where they're not really like you can see the fans are, are annoyed you just want to you want to see in a post-match interview a bit of emotion from your leader someone who suggests it's not good enough and that something is going to change but you're not really getting that from anyone are you no no we, we aren't to be honest with you and i mean it's it's, you know, fair enough, Craig Levine stepped back into the, the dugout and um, he said, you know, that obviously from the, the whole Ian Carroll thing and, and he kind of steadied the ship. And, you know, he got the benefit of doubt last season, they finished sixth, but there was encouraging signs. I mean, to, to be fair, you know, they had, they had won a derby for a few years and, and they sort of they won two last year and we beat Celtic 4-0 and things like that. And, you know, they were pretty steady at home. Uh, we just thought, you know, if you can add maybe, you know, three or four, maybe five, six quality players in there, and then we'll be looking at something good. And it looked like we had done that. They, they, you know, I gave them enormous credit at the start of the season. I thought, yeah, listen, he's got it right. But clearly he hadn't. It's just totally... It's, they've actually went backwards from last season. And that's the scary thing. Kilmarnock back in a European qualifying spot above Aberdeen on goal difference. Steve Clark, what a manager. He's a good manager. Awarded so manager of the year. That's how damn good he is. Deservedly so. I think there was something I read, I can't remember when I read it, but someone said what he's doing is so outstanding that people have forgotten how ridiculous it is that Killy are sitting third. Or did he just accept that they're top six now? Because before he was there, they... They were bottom of the league. Yeah. <laughs> but he had no hope. There's always a, they're always a bottom six team. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not like that squad has been massively overhauled under Steve Clark. He's just made them all better players. The more impressive thing is that, like you say, he's he's kind of taken that incredible first season and then built on it and he's not changed the squad drastically he's brought in I think they're very functional and it doesn't mean that they're boring to watch but all of those players no matter where they come in to the team if they're dropping out the team or whatever there are other players that come in they know exactly what they're doing in that Kilmarnock system and that that level of consistency is what's propelled them it's funny because it's easy to say like oh the players know their jobs and there's a structure and blah 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 but it's more that the players on the park know each other they, they, they know what each other player next to them are going to do and they can react to certain moments in games. But to stay with, with Steve Clark, he is someone who has said he has to make a professional or personal decision on whether or not to stay at Kilmarnock for next season. Obviously, his family is down south, but he loves working at Kilmarnock. He's so important to that club. I don't know what would happen when the next person comes in, but you think it would fall apart because they won't be have the same idea as Clark. Also, as well, because they've got to hold on to players like O'Donnell, um, even Taylor at left back. You've got, I mean, Jones is gone, but Jones's numbers aren't great. But him, things the things he's good at are things like progressive runs. He's a, direct. He's a direct player. Yeah, he runs with the ball, and I think other players are scared of him, which draws them out of position, which then must help other people. But you had like. He just seems to know how to get the best out of certain players. You saw at the start of the season, like Greg Stewart is still, I think he's the he's got the fifth most assists in the Premiership this season, which is six, which is not a good uh, yeah. advert for the league, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, that was almost all of that was at, at Killy. And when Stewart was there, he was brilliant, and he was making Brophy look brilliant. And Brophy's now just gone all wrong mm-hmm. there. He can't do anything right. So got that swapping around. It's interesting what they'll do in the, in the summer. So clearly they've got to keep. Clark, if they want to stay up there, but he could take them into Europe now, mm-hmm. and it's theirs to, to lose. You know, I, I think I think that's possibly something which might grab him a little bit and, and entice them to stay. If they finish third, it'll maybe make him stay because well, Kelly have got uh, Hibs at home and Rangers uh, at home coming up. Now the Rangers game will be difficult, and you think that's one that they could lose. But the way they set up against these teams, the Rangers aren't invincible. I could I could totally see Kelly taking six points from those games. Because Rugby Park's a difficult place to go for any team. Yeah. But they've kind of had Rangers number a lot this season. Apart mm-hmm. from you, you know, there was the, the the cup replay where they kind of fell apart, but that was because of the injuries and sendings off. But I could see Hibs taking the six points from that and yeah, finishing third. Yeah. yeah uh, Rangers got heart, so they just don't do well against and Hibs. Yeah. Who exactly. Are better than them. So, so <laughs> Steve Steve Clark, the only Premiership manager in the running for that um, Manager of the Year award so rightly goes to him uh, also a special week for Stuart Finlay who got the winner in that game he got the Player of the Year award uh, at Kilmarnock uh, but shared it with Gary Dicker I don't know how they share I, I assume they got two 
kind of no he gets it Wednesday to Sunday and... <laughs> <laughs> Finley's strike was great by the way what a finish yeah well, it, it, the was, box, it was reactive right. wasn't it yeah totally reactive. good technique though to hit that I was um, surprised he, he didn't make the team of the season actually yeah I thought that as well I, I, I think he's been one of the the from that Camarnock team who broadly have played very well I think he's been one of the real standouts and he scored some really important goals because he scored the winner against Celtic as well yeah and then okay. that one at Hearts it's like you know with Kelly chasing Europe or sorry third spot that, that finish was fantastic I love I love um, defenders scoring important goals especially yeah. when they're absolute rakers into the yeah. top bin. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> at the bottom St Mirren just managed to hang on to Hamilton's coattails with a 94th minute leveller against Motherwell at Fur Park. 1-1 that game finished. And it's the second week in a row that the Buddies have rescued a point in the last minute. They're showing fight at the right time. Well, yeah, absolutely. They're not that bad, St Mirren, aren't they? are okay. I think, I think Oren Kearney's always... As much as St Mirren have struggled to get the wins, I think since he came in, he's battled with consistency. And St Mirren are coming good at the right time of the season. Yeah, Motherwell are a strange one as well because there's a potential for that to be quite a decent team. Obviously, they've lost Hasty, but Hasty didn't even play. I wonder if that's because he was finally off and Robinson's like, well, you're you're not getting a game now. I'd love to know what that is. I couldn't find out if he's injured or not. That didn't seem anything. But yeah, he's off to Rangers, isn't he? So yeah. there's no need for Motherwell to play him. But then you look at these like young players. So on their team sheet, you've got... Uh, oh, I've written it down. Hang on. Before I forget. David Turnbull David Turnbull yeah <laughs> so Alan Campbell who was yeah. one when we spoke to um, Stephen Craig in early season um, he said that Alan Campbell was like next level he's going to be the next best and it comes out and sold for some money he's 20 he's played 69 games already you get David Turnbull 19 he scored 13 goals a season he's one of the top scorers in the league he's won them points on his own mm-hmm. like he's legit uh, Dick Hasty off to Rangers I'm not entirely convinced I don't know do you have an opinion on Dick Hasty? I, I think he's quite an exciting signing for Rangers just in terms of, I, I'd say more so than someone like Jordan Jones because they're both very direct players. I think the thing with Jake Hasty is um, he's obviously got incredible natural ability but it's the physique I think he's got as well. It's, it's kind of unusual for a 20-year-old to look like he does and to be as quick and direct as he does and still be physical. I think that's probably what Rangers are looking for. I think he'd probably do better than, than, um, than Jordan Jones will at Ibrox but that's just... Um, from what I've seen of the two players, but yeah, well, well Jones would be going for a spot on the left wing, you'd think, over Ryan Kent. Yeah, and Jake was on the right. Yeah, so and then you've got because uh, Ryan Kent, I don't think his loan deal is any longer than a year, so then he'd probably be back to Liverpool, mate. Fancy a game there or, or Championship kind of move. Although there's this the the discussions are still open on that. Kent could stay next season, but we, it's it's well, who knows? We'll who knows? Hey, but, so in terms of like your stats, like Motherwell again. So uh, on Wisecout, they've got this thing was one v one and dribbling. So basically, players who are good at taking on their players. And the best per ninety minutes this year is Arayibi Motherwell. He's on loan from Nottingham Forest, isn't he? That is correct. And uh, fourth is Jake Hasty, just below Jordan Jones. So Rangers are signing quite cleverly. Um, Motherwell are losing that, but imagine he'd be able to keep that together, that team Robinson. It's, could... it's funny though because picking up on David Turnbull, he he has been their most standout player for me. As much as Jake Hasty's off to Rangers, Turnbull is everything. To, to Motherwell this season there's a great stat from David Todd our good mate I love Toddy Turnbull's goals have been worth 16 points to Motherwell this season so you take them away and they'd only be two points above Hamilton that is incredible and it's not just the way Turnbull plays which I love and it's been picked up on uh, on sports scene and they're calling him Michael Ballack and all this stuff <laughs> I mean calm the down man like he is quality he is so class and it's just the way he scores goals and how he scores shots on his it's 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 his technique but it's it's in the split second that he has to react to them just cries out sheer class for me and i'm so excited to to watch this guy uh over the coming years because i think he is honestly fantastic let's talk about kyle mcginnis that equalizer could be huge for st mirren yeah, I mean, they need the points that they can get just now. Next Monday, they're playing um, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So if St. Mirren lose that, obviously they're going to be in that uh, wonderful playoff, which nobody wants to play in. Yeah, well, there's a four-point gap now between them instead of a five-point gap. So with two games to go, it's huge. Absolutely huge. I I, I think they could do it. Uh, I think especially, I think they're at home against Hamilton. Having watched both of those teams play, they've broadly been quite poor, but I, I think St Mirren have got a little bit more grit 
and determination and that kind of scrappy digging mentality that we're saying that Dundee were lacking so badly. You know, you'd said that that was the second week in a row they'd scored like a, a last minute goal. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. You need you need yeah. to be fighting tooth and nail for everything. They know how to scrap, and I, I think at home against Hamilton, I think they could do it, which would make it interesting and take it to the final day. So finally, St Johnston won, Livingston won, and perhaps the first game of the season that we can definitely call means absolutely f- all. <laughs> <laughs> but we still got to see an absolute rasper from Craig Halkett, who is off to Hearts. According to Wisecout, he's the third best defender in the league this year. Well, yeah, I think I think that's obvious, even just to watch. The way that Livingston have been excellent defensively this season. Yeah, I, I, just on the goal, like it's a lot of people are saying it's goal of the season contender. Nah. I, I'm not taking anything away, but it's, it's 41 yards out and haven't watched it. I, I've never seen a goalkeeper get down as slowly as Xander Clark. He falls like a tree. <laughs> I think there's there's a replay from behind the goal which maybe kind of gives you a little bit of an idea because as the ball's kind of curling it looks like the, the centre-back for St Johnson's maybe going to try and get a, his head on it and clear it which is maybe why he goes down so late but I was like, you shouldn't be beaten and it was very straight it's curling a little bit but I mean, it's not taking anything away because to hit no, I think you're dead right. that, cleanly, that, that angle's great behind the goal when you see the defender I hadn't noticed that it's really good you shouldn't be scoring from that far no, no. have you noticed Sander Clark defends like a cat have you seen um, <laughs> the videos of the cats like the pawing away at things he sort of stands he was doing this weird technique so there's a long there's a long range punt went towards the top corner and he sort of dived and sort of pawed it away like meow as <laughs> and sort of turning just, as he just, does it just because you add a sound effect doesn't mean that <laughs> but I can't like show it because it's a podcast but then... a, po- a podcast oh, very good. oh my god I'm so sorry <laughs> a pod oh yeah that's good yeah um, and obviously the shot was whiskers away from going in but uh, he also there's never one later on when the ball's coming at him and he's sort of standing uh, again I can't relay this because I don't have the use of a visual Go on then, put, add your sound effects then. No, but he's like a cat <laughs> on his hind legs as the ball comes towards him when he gets on it away. On his hind legs! Everyone yeah. stands on two legs. Well, cats don't, <laughs> but they can. And that's what Xander Clark was like. Well, that's that's like the most famous kind of, or, or the just most overused kind of analogy towards a goalkeeper, isn't it? Oh, he's like a cat! That is true, but so, he does literally look like, a, like the way a cat... If a cat has become a man and was then put in goal... Like it assumes human form, but still thought it was a cat. That's what. It what is it with you and like putting people in animal form? I don't know. That's it from us. We'll be back next Monday night after the final Rangers v Celtic match of the season and that huge game at the bottom of the table, St Mirren v Hamilton. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.